0: CHAPTER THREE, PART Four OF O' PIONEERS BY Willie Cather. THE SLIPPERVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. One evening, a week after Signa's wedding, Emil was kneeling before a box in the sitting-room, packing his books. From time to time he rose and wandered about the house, picking up stray volumes and bringing them listlessly back to his box. He was packing without enthusiasm. He was not very sanguine about his future. Alexandra sat sewing by the table. She had helped him pack his trunk in the afternoon. As Emile came and went by her chair with his books, he thought to himself that it had not been so hard to leave his sister since he first went away to school. He was going directly to Omaha to read law in the office of a Swedish lawyer until October, when he would enter the law school at Ann Arbor. They had planned that Alexander was to come to Michigan, a long journey for her, at Christmas time, and spend several weeks with him. Nevertheless, he felt that this leave-taking would be more final than his earlier ones had been, that it meant a definite break with his old home and the beginning of something new. He did not know what. His ideas about the future would not crystallize. The more he tried to think about it, the vaguer his conception of it became. But one thing was clear, he told himself. It was high time that he made good to Alexandra, and that ought to be incentive enough to begin with. As he went about, gathering up his books, he felt as if he were uprooting things. At last he threw himself down on the old slat lounge where he had slept when he was little, and lay looking up at the familiar cracks in the ceiling. Tired, Emile? his sister asked. Lazy, he murmured. Turning on his side and looking at her, he studied Alexandra's face for a long time in the lamplight. It had never occurred to him that his sister was a handsome woman until Marie Shabata had told him so. Indeed, he had never thought of her as being a woman at all, only a sister. As he studied her bent head, he looked up at the picture of John Bergson above the lamp. No, he thought to himself. She didn't get it there. I suppose I am more like that. Alexandra, he said suddenly, that old walnut secretary you use for a desk was father's, wasn't it? Alexandra went on stitching. Yes, it was one of the first things he bought for the old log house. It was a great extravagance in those days, but he wrote a great many letters back to the old country. He had many friends there, and they wrote to him up to the time he died. No one ever blamed him for grandfather's disgrace. I can see him now sitting there on Sundays, in his white shirt, writing pages and pages so carefully. He wrote a fine, regular hand, almost like an engraving. Yours is something like his when you take pains. Grandfather was really crooked, was he? He married an unscrupulous woman, and then—then, I'm afraid, he was really crooked. When we first came here, father used to have dreams about making a great fortune and going back to sweden to pay back to the poor sailors the money grandfather had lost emil stirred on the lounge i say that would have been worth while wouldn't it father wasn't a bit like lou or oscar was he i can't remember much about him before he got sick oh not at all alexandra dropped her sewing on her knee he had better opportunities not to make money but to make something of himself he was a quiet man but he was very intelligent you would have been proud of him Emil. alexandra felt that he would like to know there had been a man of his kin whom he could admire she knew that emile was ashamed of lou and oscar because they were bigoted and self-satisfied he never said much about them but she could feel his disgust his brothers had shown their disapproval of him ever since he first went away to school the only thing that would have satisfied them would have been his failure at the university as it was they resented every change in his speech in his dress in his point of view though the latter they had to conjecture for Emile avoided talking to them about any but family matters all his interests they treated as affectations Alexandra took up her sewing again. I can remember father when he was quite a young man. He belonged to some kind of a musical society, a male chorus, in Stockholm. I can remember going with mother to hear them sing. There must have been a hundred of them, and they all wore long black coats and white neckties. I was used to seeing father in a blue coat, a sort of jacket, and when I recognized him on the platform I was very proud. Do you remember that Swedish song he taught you about the chip boy? Yes, I used to sing it to the Mexicans. They like anything different. Emil paused. Father had a hard fight here, didn't he? He added thoughtfully. Yes, and he died in a dark time. Still, he had hope. He believed in the land. And in you, I guess, Emil said to himself. There was another period of silence, that warm, friendly silence, full of perfect understanding, in which Emile and Alexandra had spent many of their happiest half-hours. At last Emile said abruptly, Lou and Oscar would be better off if they were poor, wouldn't they? Alexandra smiled. Maybe, but their children wouldn't. I have great hopes of Millie. Emile shivered. I don't know seems to me it gets worse as it goes on the worst of the swedes is that they're never willing to find out how much they don't know it was like that at the university always so pleased with themselves there's no getting behind that conceited swedish grin the bohemians and germans were so different come Emil, don't go back on your own people father wasn't conceited uncle otto wasn't even lou and oscar weren't when they were boys Emile looked incredulous, but he did not dispute the point. He turned on his back and lay still for a long time, his hands locked under his head, looking up at the ceiling. Alexandra knew that he was thinking of many things. She felt no anxiety about Emile. She had always believed in him, as she had believed in the land. He had been more like himself since he got back from Mexico, seemed glad to be at home, and talked to her as he used to do. She had no doubt that his wandering fit was over and that he would soon be settled in life. Alexandra, said Emile suddenly, do you remember the wild duck we saw down on the river that time? His sister looked up. I often think of her. It always seems to me she's there still, just like we saw her. I know. It's queer what things one remembers and what things one forgets. Emile yawned and sat up. Well, it's time to turn in. He rose, and going over to Alexandra, stooped down and kissed her lightly on the cheek. Good night, sister. I think you did pretty well by us. Emile took up his lamp and went upstairs. Alexandra sat finishing his new nightshirt that must go to the top tray of his trunk. End of Chapter 3 Part 4